Good morning. Thank you for coming. I'm glad you're here. My name is Clara, and I'm one of the teachers here at the Vineyard Church. And um, Simone and uh, Karina, will you guys stand up? So this is Simone and his beautiful wife, Karina, and their baby, Jyoti. And they're our missionaries to Nepal. And they're going to be here till the end of the month. So if you have been wanting to talk with them, you have need to get on on that track. And so I was so thrilled to have um, Simone be here so he could pray in his mother language. And that was such a blessing. You know, when we do this once a month, part of the reason why we have these prayer times, you guys can sit down, is because we want to become more aware that we are part of a very big family. And um, when I hear prayers being offered in Jesus' name in other languages, my spirit expands. And so you're sitting there, you might be thinking, why are they doing this? And I can't understand a word what they're saying. Well, you should practice your spiritual discipline of paying attention to the spirit and asking God, God, what's being said? What do you want me to experience? And, um, and then he will speak to you. Now, I just start crying when he was praying, and I did not get a sense of what he was praying, but I just felt the love of God and the expansion of his love for the big family of God. So anyway, that's why we do that, and um, that's what you can do in those times when people are praying. Last month when Ebby prayed in um, her native language from Nigeria, and I don't know how to pronounce it, the language there, um, I asked the Holy Spirit to tell me, what is she saying? And I had a sense of a scripture where two or three or more of you are gathered together in my name, I'll be there. And I sensed this Again, that feeling of family. So at the end of the service, I went up to her and I said, before you say anything, Ebby, I want to tell you what I was sensing. And so I told her what I sensed, and she said, I quoted that scripture in my language, and I was praying about the global family. So, you know, it's not that it's magic. It's not that I'm super special. It's that I just thought, I'll ask. And I want you guys to ask and enter in and see if the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to you, to your spirit, if not in the language you understand, in some language that your spirit will connect with. Okay? Sound good? Did anybody get a sense of what Simone was saying this morning? Did a scripture come to mind? Did a sense come to you? Okay. That's okay. Tina, you you felt like we were being blessed. Yes. Do you want to say anything, Simone? What was the passage you were reading from or praying from? Psalm 1 and 3. Psalm 1 and 3. 103. Okay. So we can read that later on and see what that blessing was over us. Thank you. Okay, how's that PowerPoint coming? You know, I have it in my um, cell phone. Would that help? Mercy, in there, in my bag is uh, my, yeah. All right. That's good. We can get started. They'll, they'll get it down. But it's a really good PowerPoint. I really hate to see us miss it, but we can go on. Okay, when I was 19 years old, I went on my first mission trip. And I was a sophomore in college, and I was one of two interpreters in a team of 12 college students. And we went to Mexico. We went to Mexicali, Mexico. 
And at that time, well, you've got to remember it was 1976. So it's a long time ago, all right? And um, so Mexico was very different than it is now. And so it really was a village. And so for one uh, week, um, our team of 12, we did vacation Bible school with the kids. Uh, we swung the kids around and around and around until I thought I was going to puke. Uh, we played a rendition of um, Duck, Duck, Deuce, Goose, uh, Pato, Pato, Ganzo. And uh, we played soccer on a dirt field with a partially inflated ball. And then every night, um, there was one Christian in the village at the time. that ha- She was the only one that had electricity. And so in her backyard, there was this bare bulb, light bulb. And at night, the team, we would come together, and two of the team every night would share their testimony or how Jesus had changed their lives. And um, in that week's time, us 12 stinky, tired, exhausted, but very full teenagers, we were teens, we were teenagers still in, in college, led almost all the children in that village to Christ, most of the women and many of the men. It was an amazing time. And when it came to an end, um, you know, we're ready to pack up. Um, there was this one older man that was, had been there that showed up, and he was considered the town drunk. And so I was part of the group of people that talked to him and prayed with him. And um, by the end of the time that we had been with him, in that time he prayed to receive Christ. And from being fully intoxicated, he was sober and full of God's joy. And I remember, um, you know, packing our bags and saying goodbye to everybody. And, you know, tears and hugs and exchanging addresses and promising that we were going to stay connected. I have to admit that I felt at that time God's love. And in that moment, I paused and I thought, you know, I was made for this. And I was fully aware of God working in and through my life. And something stood at attention inside of me. And I thought, this is the life in God I was meant to live. Now, sometimes in our lives, we experience moments like this. And sometimes they go by unnoticed. But the times that we do notice and pause, we just sense, you know, I just wish that more of that kind of me would come out. You ever felt that? And you had that moment with God and that moment of expressing God's love, and you just think, well, why can't I be like this all the time? You know, I just, that's one of the thoughts that went through my mind. Now, in a book called Sacred Rhythms, written by Ruth um, Haley Barton, she prayed this. Oh, God, give me more moments like this, moment when I am fully present to you and to others in love, moments when I am connected with what is purest and most authentic within me and able to respond to your presence in that place. I want to live my life in such a way that there is more of this. So you've experienced this, where you wish you could just relive moments with God. Not necessarily to relive them, to change them, but to just relive them because they were so arresting with your soul and with the longing you have in your heart. But we know we can't do that, so what we do instead is we get used to things being the way they are. You know, when man and woman sinned and failed in the garden, we lost paradise. And since then, we've gotten used to it. 
We believe the lie that this is just the way it is. And we get cynical and we find ourselves saying, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And sometimes, you know, when I can't sleep, I read the news on my iPad. Really? Not a good idea. I know, but I do this thing. I don't know, it's just my way of punishment, I think. Why do I even read this, I think? Why do I read it? Because it's just bad news. Right? Zika virus spreading, genocide in a place I can't even pronounce. Four men rape a nine-year-old girl in Utah. Just once, I wish the article would say it. We've lost our way. If only we had listened. It's not supposed to be like this. And if they were to say that, they would be right. You know, we long for something different. We long for peace and significance and purpose and change. And we think there's got to be more to life than this. What are we looking for? Do we even know? YouTube band puts it this way. And I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Now, each of us longs to be more like what we were meant to be. We've been searching for meaning. We've been seeking for the secret of my existence. And we long for all to be well with our soul. And at times, we do experience these things sporadically. And suddenly, we become alert to the fact that something important is going on. Something is connected with the deepest longing of my soul and my heart. And we feel that rush This is what I was made for. Now today I'm launching a series that I've called More. And I want to start our series with acknowledging that we all desire for more. You know, not that long ago we celebrated Christmas. And uh, most of us can relate to some time when we look forward to Christmas. Maybe you were five years old and you were looking forward to having a Nintendo 62 Or maybe you were hoping for an engagement ring or skis or skateboard or something, right? Or if you're a parent, you look forward to seeing your kids open the gifts. Or if you're a grandparent, you just can hardly wait. You know what? Wait until you see Jyoti open her first Christmas gift. You're going to just relive a moment that's so, so precious. And while the magic is happening, you know, we feel some contentment. And all the wrapping and all of the chaos and the noise. Sometimes we get connected with something still. Something still that we long for. And we thirst for something more. And some of us, what we're thirsting for is wholeness. You know, we become very aware of our brokenness. And we long for real change. We long for transformation and for things to be different. You know, there was a time in the history of our church about 10 years ago when my husband and I had been deeply hurt and betrayed by the key leaders of this church. And I was a normal human being. I still am. And I felt a lot of anger and sadness and hurt. But I also felt a deeper longing, and that was a longing to be healed. For weeks during worship, I would stand there and cry and cry And it became more and more desperate for God because I was having a really hard time getting rid of that hurt. I was growing suspicious of those who had stayed with us and I would think, so are you going to leave us too? And I found myself crying out to God for something within me. 
and something I could not do for myself. And so I got help. I got some prayer from Cindy McBride and another friend. And they took me through a journey through inner healing, similarly to so-so ministry as we've been getting taught on lately. And I was able to release the betrayal and the anger towards Jesus and towards his church and towards his people. And I was able to surrender my need to protect myself and my family and to trust God to be my protector. I knew that regardless of the betrayal, there was something I wanted more than revenge. I was thirsty for God. I was longing to have a tender heart again, a heart that loved his church. I wanted transformation, and I was desperately connected with my thirst for God. So when was the last time you felt longing for God? When was the last time you felt longing to see love radiate from your heart? When was the last time you longed to see life the way it was meant to be? I want us to pause and not rush through these questions. I want you to look at them and pick one that speaks to you. How would you answer that? If any of these questions connect to you or resonate with you, I believe the series that we're going to launch this morning for the next few weeks will help provide us pathways and means by which to be intentional in order to experience some fulfillment with some of these longings. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we're just connecting with really a longing you have for us. Would you come and remind us how thirsty we are? Use these words, Holy Spirit. bring us to that place where we thirst and hunger again for you. For the sake of your son Jesus, amen. Uh, Okay, so when Jesus taught, one of the things he used to do quite a bit was he would use questions. And so people would come to him actually with their own sets of questions, and he would answer with a question. And he did this in order to draw out from them their self-awareness of what their deeper longing was, and to speak it and say it in front of him in his presence. And so he would ask questions like, what do you want? What do you seek? What do you want me to do for you? 
And these kinds of questions were intended and designed to poke, (laughs) to cause people to reflect for deeper truth and their need for healing. Now, in the story of Blind Bartimaeus, we're going to see a man who reached deep within himself and connected with a human need that he had and cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus hears his voice over the noise of the crowd, it captured his heart because he saw and heard the honest cry of his son. Mark 10. As Jesus was leaving town, he had been there for quite a while, trailed by his disciples and a parade of people, a blind beggar by the name of Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting alongside the road. When he heard that Jesus the Nazarene was passing by, he began to cry out, Son of David, Jesus, mercy, have mercy on me. Many tried to hush him up, but he yelled all the louder, Son of David, mercy, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped in his tracks. Call him over. They called him, It's your lucky day, get up, he's calling you to come. Throwing off his coat, he was on his feet at once. And came to Jesus. And Jesus said, What can I do for you? Seriously? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. On your way, said Jesus, your faith has saved and healed you. In that very instant, he recovered his sight and followed Jesus down the road. So he became a follower of Christ. Now this question is a question I think we need to ask ourselves. What Do you want from God? What are you thirsty for? Is it a yearning for God in your life? More of God in your life? For for your loved ones? For the lost? Are you yearning for a deeper inner transformation change? You want to be more like Jesus? You want to understand what the purpose of your life is and to live it out? Now, you may think that brokenness is your truest thing about you. But you're going to be healed one day completely, so what are you going to be then? You may think that your skills or your personality type is the truest thing about you. Or your marriage status, or your job, or your bank account, or your lack of savings. Or you identify as a mother or as a father Somehow that all defines you. But in reality, our desire for God, our capacity to reach for more of God than we have right now, is the truest thing about us. And it is the deepest essence of who we are. And the only thing that's going to last. Martin in her book says this, There is a place within each one of us that is spiritual in nature, the place where God's spirit witnesses with our spirit about our truest identity. Here, God's spirit dwells with our spirit, and here our truest desires make themselves known. From this place, we cry out to God for deeper union with him and with others. So if this is true, how are we going to get there? What are the means? Are there pathways that other saints over the century or members of our church have used in order to draw near to God, to experience transformation, to understand their purpose. First of all, let's all relax a little bit. Let's all take a deep breath. 
Big breath. And blow it out. We can all relax because God is already at work. It's not up to us. You know, when we think about it, this sermon series has been prayed in by God. Because Jesus is the right hand of the Father, and he's saying, Father, give them more. I want them to have more. He's already at work because he wants more for us. You know, we love God because he first loved us. We reach for God because he's already reached out for us. We long for God because he's longed for us before the creation of the world. We connect with a wanting that started with the wanting of God. Nothing that is good in the spiritual or physical realm comes from anywhere else but from God. Even our capacity to work or to think or to study or to play or to make money, all of those come from a God who loves us. It always is him. He always initiates. So when we connect with our longing for the real, the holy God, we need to take note that God has been calling us all along and we just happen to pause for a moment and notice what's been going on for centuries. And we notice that we're thirsty for him. Now, I just want to ask the obvious. Are we thirsty? Do we actually want more? Or are we comfortable with where we're at with God? In this series, we're going to talk about practical ways to become more aware of the Holy Spirit and whatever it is he's doing inside of us so we can cooperate with him. Not just something you do on Sunday mornings or a community group or in your morning devotional time, but what if you actually could experience God all day long? We're going to be talking about pathways, not formulas, that can help us experience more of God in our lives. Now, some of you are thinking, yes, yes, Clara, thank you. And other of you are not all that excited. You know, I'm okay. I'm cool with God. I'm pretty comfortable with status quo. Well, as your pastor, you should know that I'm not okay with that. I want more for you, too. Because when I pray for you, that's what I get. Give them more, Lord. Make them more hungry, more thirsty for you. You know, this is not a gymnasium. This is not a bar. We have one right next door. Very convenient. This is not a nice hangout. We're followers of Christ who want to be more like Jesus. Now, when I was growing up, we had a dog. He was mixed. He was part Border Collie and part something else. No, no, this is when I was a girl. Not you, sorry. So when I was a girl, little girl, and um, we called him Skippy, and he was the family dog, and on occasion, it was very rare, he would be able to come into our car because he pretty much was an outdoor dog. And even when he came into the house, he would plaster himself against the wall and be very careful to get to the kitchen and plaster himself against the wall to get back outside, right? But every once in a while, he got to go in the car with us. And whenever he did, he would plaster his nose against the window until we opened it. And when we opened the window, he would stick his head out and just like 
loved the air just and the wind just hit it against his face and he would put his tongue out and just let it waggle over the place. So that was my family dog growing up. Now, I had a friend who also had a dog and her dog was a poodle. And it was one of those purebred, primped up dogs that regularly got uh, manicured and went to the spa for dogs and just did all of that kind of stuff. Always had bows on her hair. And uh, whenever I would go with my friend, that dog was always there. Not like our dog that rarely got in the car. That dog was always in the car. And if I opened the window expecting she was going to go, she just like went away from the wind as far as she could. And I don't know why she did it. I think maybe she just didn't want to mess up her hair. Right? Now, don't get offended. But what kind of dog are you when it comes to God? Imagine God inviting you to be with him. Imagine living a life where every day you could hardly wait to wake up to be with him and hear his voice. Folks, we're going to have to roll down the window, get intentional, and possibly a little undignified. So where are you at? Are you willing to roll down the window, stick your face out, or do you want to sit as comfortably as possible away from the wind? I believe we were meant to be in constant, intimate relationship with God. And I believe that we're supposed to walk moment by moment in the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. There isn't one moment in your life, temptation, sin, joy, healing, where he did not want to express himself through you. You can't tell me one moment in your life when the Holy Spirit did not want to live through you. You can't. So, And, you know, this is not just for me and the elite of the church. Let's look at John chapter 7, verses 37 to 38. On the final and climactic day of the feast, Jesus took his stand and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Rivers of living water will brim and spill out of the depths of anyone who believes in me this way, just as the scripture says. Now, Jesus says anyone. It is not the 12% leaders of this church. And the feast that Jesus is referring to is the Feast of the Tabernacle. And the Feast of the Tabernacle was a celebration where the people celebrated God's provision for his people when they were going through the desert those 40 years. years. And how um, time after time, when they're in a desert, water doesn't just show up. And sometimes it would be from a rock and gushing water would come out and water and care for all the flock and all God's people in those 40 years. So at the climax of this week-long celebration, what the priest would do on the very final day, he would come to the temple steps with jugs of water and pour them out. And the water would go down and it was symbolic of God's provision for his people when they're wandering. And at that moment, Jesus comes up and he says this. This is really cool that you guys are celebrating this. It's really cool. 
But I want you to know something. This festival is all about me. It's pointing to me because I am the living waters. And unlike these waters that are going to run down the streets and evaporate, I will never run dry. And neither will you if you regularly come to me to drink. Amen. He's not pouring out just a pitcher full, not a trickling, trickling stream. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Rivers of living water will brim and spill out. Now, the Greek word is potamos, and it, is, it means torrents and floods. That's what he's talking about. It's an abundance that is available to us. If we come and if we realize that we're thirsty. Now, verse 39, how is it going to happen? He said this in regards to the spirit whom those who believe in him were about to receive. The spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, John is saying that the way we experience the life-giving life of God is through the spirit. Now, many of us, we get satisfied with this. That's it. My direction, my guidebook, my instruction. But folks, we need more than this. We need the living God that comes through here, yes. But we need the living God, the very presence of God in our lives. You know, if you have a relative that lives out in the country, you've never seen their place before, and you want to go visit them, and you're going through, and suddenly your cell phone Maps, freezes. And I have a clue how to get there next. What do you do? Well, if you're in a small town, you look for a gas station, and hopefully you find the gas station owner or somebody there, and you say, listen, can you tell me how to get an FM 1213? Oh, man, simple, no problem. So what you do, you go down to the end of the town, and you turn left. And after you turn left, you go, you know, a couple miles or so, and you're going to sign an oak tree. And that oak tree, you turn right. And then you turn down there, and then you're going to get across the railroad tracks. Go down a bit. You're going to see an old abandoned house. You turn left there, and then you're going to find the road right just like that. And notice you go, okay, left, right, left, right. You write it down. You think you got it all straight. Now, if you're anyone but my husband, Randy, who has amazing radar for direction, you're going to get lost. So what do we need? We need more than a map. We need more than directions. You know what I need? I need my relative sitting in the car with me telling me, now go down the road here, Clara, and then you turn right here and then yeah, here. Right? That's what we need. But we think, no, I'm going to listen to somebody else talk about this, and that's going to be good enough for me. You know, she's the pastor. She should study it. She should experience it, and then she tells me what she gets out of it. That is so lame. Why do you think you have the Bible in your cell phone, in your iPad, in hard copy, in your computer, audibly that can come through your radio? Why? So that you can experience God through his word. Not secondhand. Hey, I think I'm an okay preacher, but I am nothing compared to what you're going to experience with God 
when you enter into his word through his spirit, when you sit still, you say, God, I think I want to experience your presence right now. I want to hear your voice. A lot better when you can tell me how that's happening to you than me telling you how it happens to me. You know, we can read about the Bible, in the Bible, how God's presence was there for, in the tabernacle, and then at the temple, and then at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes out. But what about for you? He wants to be and is in you, Sarah. He's in you, Kim. He's in you, David. He's in you. God wanted everyone, this is from Colossians 1, God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know his rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. Sounds very inclusive to me. The mystery in a nutshell is just this, Christ in you. Therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. You know, you can look forward to being changed. It's that simple. That is the substance of our message. 1 Colossians 1.27 Awesome reality. Not a map, not some information, not some rules, but the Spirit of God in us. And anyone who puts his trust in Jesus has that within them and we have access to intimate relationship with God now here's the question how are we going to experience the Holy Spirit how do I experience the more here verse 37 anyone anyone that is thirsty that is the issue that is the ingredient that we need thirst Awareness of our longing. Awareness of our thirst. It is not so much about obeying or serving, but it's about being aware of your thirst, of your need. The ingredient that must be present as we move through this series of the more is thirst. Because thirst will motivate us to drink. Now just imagine that you did not have the gift of awareness of thirst. You wouldn't drink. You would dehydrate and you would die. And it's not because there isn't water all around you. It's just because you don't know you have a need and you don't drink. And when we're spiritually thirsty, we yearn for God. And so we don't, so why don't we experience God? I think because we're not thirsty. Life's good. I'm cool. I'm copacetic. Everything's good. My marriage works okay. I'm comfortable. I mean, occasionally I have a struggle with anger and I blow up. Yeah. And occasionally I don't really lack compassion for, you know, just everybody. There's a lot of dumb, stupid people in the world, you know. But other than that, you know, I'm okay. Things are good. Now, I have... Two daughters, I have five daughters, but two of them are married and they live in Colorado with their families. And in Colorado, they have, uh, I was doing some reading about going to Colorado because we're going to go there. And they have these amazing opportunities to do um, hunting. I'm not a hunter, but, you know, I just got 
into it, and I'm just not reading it. Hunting for elk, for mule, deer, and antelope. And these services, when you sign up for them, they give you topography maps, and they give you a guide, and the guide kind of coaches you how to prepare and plan for the trip. Well, in the article one time, there was a person who had hired this guide, and he's making all the arrangements, and he tells the guy what food he's going to bring for his buddies. And the guy says, that's too much. Cut it in half. And the guy just got disagreed. He said, listen, I calculated, I think the guy was a nerd, I calculated the caloric need for each of these men depended on their height and their weight. And I know that my calculations are accurate. And the guy said, we have to cut it in half. Because hungry hunters hunt better. Right? You get the point. Spiritually speaking, we will hunt better when we become aware of our thirst and our hunger for God. Without connecting with our desire, this series called More is going to be a farce. And it's going to be of no value for you. Don't even bother coming. I want us to grow in our awareness of our thirst and hunger for God. And I want us to come seeking to be filled. If you don't like how you're responding to life circumstances, if you don't like how mean you were to your child or your husband or your friend or your boss, you might need to pay attention that maybe life isn't okay spiritually for you. And maybe you need more. If life has become go to work, go home, eat, go to sleep. Go to work, go home, eat, go to sleep. Oh, and on weekends, go to work half the amount of time, eat a little bit more, and sleep longer, right? And if that is the cycle in which you're in, I want to tell you, I think you should pay attention to the fact that you might be hungry and thirsty for more than what you're getting out of life. I I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. There's no purpose to it. I I don't know what, I mean, I'm getting older and things aren't working as easy as they used to, so what am I supposed to do with my time? That is a really good question. Maybe you should get connected with your hunger and thirst for more. So now what? The Spirit is wanting He wants intimacy with you. He's wanted intimacy with you before you were even born. And so I think the ball is on our court. It's up to us to connect with our wanter. Dallas Willard called it a wanter. I like that. And so he waits because he doesn't force any of us to love him. The Spirit wants to fill us with life, joy, peace, love, meaning, purpose, change? Are we thirsty for any of those? And if we are, come thirsting. And come looking to get a drink. Here's what I'm saying. Ask and you'll get. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will open. Luke 11:9. We're going to receive what we're asking for. 
Now, Papa is eager to give us more of the Spirit to those who are asking and seeking and knocking. He desires us for this for us, and he waits for us to want. Because he wants to pour out torrents of water of his Spirit in and through us for ourselves and for the lost. Now, in 1998, there was a terrific, horrible, huge earthquake in Armenia. And there was a mom named Susan, and she had a four-year-old daughter. They lived on the fifth floor of an apartment. And when the uh, the earthquake began and the apartment began to shake, that mom grabbed her four-year-old daughter, and immediately they began to fall five stories down because the middle of the, of the apartment just split open, and she, she and her daughter fell five stories down to the basement of the apartment, and then all of that rubble, five stories worth, landed on top of them. Now, this was in December, so it was very cold in Armenia, and so her mom took her clothes off, and she put them over her four-year-old. She was trapped, and she could go from side to side, and she was therefore able to reach her daughter. But that's all she could do, just go from here to here and get to her. Now, after a couple of days, Anna, the little girl, begins to complain that she's thirsty. And her mom was able, because they were in the basement, and one of her excursions was able to find a jar of blackberry jam. And she gets it to her daughter, and her daughter survives on that for two days. It's now the sixth day, and the little girl says, Mommy, I am so thirsty. So her mom took that jar, she broke it, she pricked her finger, and she had her daughter suck off her finger. She did this every single day. She cut herself somewhere else and have her daughter suck from her finger. She did this for the next day until the eighth day when they were both pulled out alive, not one bone broken. Now Jesus pierced his hands for us because he knows we are trapped. He knows we're broken. He knows we're thirsting and he knows that we're hungry. And he's saying, come, come, I have what you need. But we must become aware of our spiritual thirst. Beware, I'm thirsty. Now, when you come to church during this series, I want you to come knowing I am thirsty, I am hungry, I am broken, I need change. And I believe that we can learn things together, pathways that will help us if we will put them into practice that will help us to experience more of God in our lives. So I want you to come open, ready to receive. I want more of you, God. That is the prayer I want you to pray. And maybe we'll put a banner out that says, I want more of you, God, during this series, so that you, that's there. Like, oh yeah, that's what this is about this season. I want more of you, God. Somebody who likes to do art, would you make me a banner or something, Okay. So in closing, I want to do something a little bit different. We usually do ministry time, and we still do that, but I want to do something a little bit different if you will allow me to do this. I want us to reflect on this message today. There were three questions that I started our talk with. When was the last time I felt longing for God? When was the last time I felt longing for love to radiate from my heart? When was the last time I had longing in my life that things would be 
the way they were meant to be. And I want you to take one of these questions in mind, and I'd like you to trust me by closing your eyes. We don't need any more PowerPoints. We don't need any of that. So even you guys back there can just close your eyes and experience with us because I'm inviting us all to go through this place with me, if you'll trust me. I want you to imagine a beautiful waterfall. It is in a gorgeous area. And you see volumes of fresh water pouring out over and over and over. And you can see the spray of the water. And you can hear the rumble of the water. There's a huge waterfall. And as you look at it, you realize it's been pouring out like this for centuries. Oh my gosh. And the water symbolizes God for you. Imagine yourself in that scene. Be aware of your position. Where are you in relationship to the water? Are you looking at it? Are you looking away? Are you close? Are you far? I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you your current thirst level in relationship to where the waterfall is. Where am I, Holy Spirit? And if you would, with your eyes still closed, imagine how you would like to respond to him in this season. Are you dipping your hand in the water? Are you getting a drink? Are you in it? And stay there. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your living presence in our lives. Thank you for waiting. And thank you for wanting us. Thank you for your invitation this morning. Thank you for showing us where we are and where you're taking us. I pray you would increase our desire for more of you. Increase our awareness of our thirst and hunger. And open us up, Lord, to more of you. Amen. Well, thank you. At the end of the service, there will be some folks that will come up that would like to pray with you. If you're needing some prayer for healing or some discernment 
or sermon, um, you know, come forward. These are nice folks. They're trained to listen to you and listen to the Holy Spirit and to pray for you in ways that would be meaningful. Okay, so let's see some action here. Some uh, people who want to pray, come on up. And then, if you would like some prayer, come on up. And if anything of this morning uh, spoke to you, I would encourage you to share it with somebody sometime, either today or the next day, what God was speaking to you about. Hey, God bless you, and we'll see you next week.